everybody, and welcome to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast, where we talk about everything local and beyond. I am your host, John Yamasato, and joining me today is Mr. Kyle Shimabukuro, Devin Nakoba, Ooh. and three-fourths of the band, Bead Lele. Mm. Thanks, guys, for coming in. We have Dennis, Sonny, and Alistair. Uh, Nolet could not join us, but uh, he is here in spirit, and yes. we'll be here for the next time, right, guys? He's a, he's a Definitely, yes. Going to do some housekeeping first, and then we'll get to you guys. Uh, before we begin, we will remind all of our listeners the way they can stay in touch with the, with the show. There is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at High Sessions. Then you can go to SoundCloud, YouTube, or Apple Podcasts and listen to the podcast. And you can email us at highsessions at yahoo.com if you have any questions, comments. Um, if you'd like to help the show and get more music on the channel, please go to patreon.com and donate. There you'll be more involved with the show. You'll get your opinion of what artists we should bring on, things, things like that. We'd like to thank Jessica, who is our newest thank Patreon. You. Thank, thank you, you, Jessica. We really appreciate it. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Kupu Kupu Landscaping. KupuKupuLandscaping.com if you need any kind of landscaping work or sprinkler systems, installations, things like that. They provided our beautiful ferns back here and just an awesome supporter. In fact, we're going to have Kevin on. Ferns? Yeah. Is that what they are? Yeah, Wait, I not think so. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm not super familiar with plant <laughs> terminology, but Kevin, who will be on our show next week, will know all about that. Oh, I gotta water it. I forgot today. Oh, oh come on. Yeah, man. Kyle. Don't Hopefully, they don't die within the next 45 yeah. minutes while we're doing that. Yeah, I think he'd be very disappointed <laughs> with you. Okay, you can find Devin 94.7 Kumu in the mornings. You can find Kyle at highlife808.com. And you can find me on this channel. If you need, if you need anything from me, so okay, let's turn our turn our attention to Beat Lele. Thanks, guys, for coming in. We really appreciate it. Thank you for Pleasure having us. Ours. Yeah, thank you. Now yes. I know that uh, part of the reason why we brought you in this week is next week you have a concert coming up at the Blue Note, so it's kind of perfect timing. Oh yeah. How many how many times have you played at the Blue Note? I would say maybe uh, ten or twelve at this point. Feels like that. Yeah. Wow. Really? Over the last wow. few years. Yeah. yeah. And the main, the one on the mainland too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we played in oh Napa. that's right. Napa. <laughs> yeah. we played we in the to Napa. Napa. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time since the shutdown though for you guys? No. 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 no we played there in um, December. Late July. They opened up for. Uh, mm-hmm. We were their second act in July after things opened up again, mm-hmm. and then um, and then. Shortly after that, they closed down everything again until uh, oh. uh, Thanksgiving is when the Blue Note opened up. But again. it's not your fault in the th- that they stopped right after you guys played the second. <laughs> That's probably right, what okay. it was. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 You, didn't, you didn't rock the house so hard that they yeah, had to shut down again for a little bit. There's too many people coming in. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, yeah, that August show, it was uh, still a little premature for people to be going out, even though they were allowed to be open it was still uh tough to get people for those um shows but then um since they've been open in uh since thanksgiving we've played there once twice this is maybe three times since then and um people are coming out again it's great uh, we were selling out uh most of the shows there since wow. and this yes. uh coming friday not well on the 14th is when we're going to be there again uh the six o'clock show is just about sold out and uh, maybe 50 percent full at this point for the 8:30. so people are getting out again wow. so it's exciting can they um fulfill the max capacity now or is it still 
I don't think so. It's, it's um, somewhere between a third and a half, I'd say, right now. But it, it's uh, each time we play there, they are adding more tables and oh, seats. Cool. So slowly but surely, yeah, maybe by, uh, by the fall, I'm guessing they'll be closer to full capacity. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, I kind of got ahead of myself with the, the Blue Note, but maybe one of you can explain how Beat Lele came to existence and what, what it's all about, because you have like kind of a theme and a background to your, to your band. It's, n it's, it's not just your average uh, ukulele band. Yeah, uh, I guess um, we'd have to go back in time to, uh, what was it, uh, 2010 maybe? We started 2009. 2009, when mm -hmm. we started playing uh, as a regular band. Not uh, okay. we were doing Beatles tribute. We weren't dressing up like Beatles or anything like that. But we were playing uh, electric guitar and full full drums. And Sonny was doubling on keyboard and guitar. And uh, we played like that for um, for a few years. We were we were uh, Day in the Life. Right? Okay, okay. So that was the name yeah. of the band. Yeah, that mm -hmm. was the name of it. So we got a cease and desist <laughs> order. Oh, from another really? day in the life who had oh, played really? in, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> who had played many years ago in, in, in the Hawaii Theater or something like that, and uh, eventually we we uh, we realized there's so many so many Beatles tribute bands out there, and uh, Nolette had been picking up the uh, ukulele, and he kind of had this thing where he was he was trying to do uh, 64. Um, Beatles songs before his uh, 64th birthday on ukulele. So he did all these videos. Um, you can find that on Jocko Maka on YouTube. And uh, <laughs> he uh, and so he kind of led the way with that. And then we said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did the same thing? We did Beatles tribute, but we did it on ukulele and with a cajon. And it'd be so much lighter to carry these instruments. <laughs> yeah, sure, 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 sure. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's kind of how it developed and started. Yeah, so you guys are an ukulele beetle tribute band. Yes. And, uh, uh, and only of its kind, correct? Yeah, we actually looked um, long and, well, not too long and hard, but light and hard on the uh, internet to see if there's any other such band doing what we were wanting to do. And we couldn't find any. To this state, we haven't come across any. So we just thought it was would be a nice, unique idea. Um, and people really seem to, uh, to like uh, the uniqueness of what we're doing, not just here locally, but, you know, all over. Yeah. I know that, um, so Dennis and I, uh, used to work together and so we'd see each other a lot and we'd hang out. We did the talent show together one year for the yes. company ta yeah. talent show. <laughs> and then one day he said, Hey, you know, I had, I've been playing with these guys and we have this idea for our ukulele Beatles tribute band. You know, and I was like, that's a great idea. I think that's a great idea, you know, cause at, before it was, yeah, just a regular Beatles tribute band which was sounded great but I thought the ukulele would gave it a nice little twist on things and so what was the first step I mean you, you guys start practicing together but um, I know that now it's it's like it's something that you can promote and you have some backing but how you know do you just start playing uh, first birthday parties or like how, how do you start getting the word out about the band and whatnot Back when, once we transition to yeah yeah ukuleles? yeah um, well, we, we realized we, w we should change our name, so we went from Day in the Life to Beat Lele. Um, right, there was something about that too, right? Like you couldn't say Beatle Lele? There's always something, yes. Don't say yeah. it. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> it was, uh, we were Beatle Lele. Uh, and then when, um, what happened was we decided to uh, record one song just to see 
what it would sound like. And thanks to John, he had this wonderful producer friend named Dave Tusserone, um, who came to come to find out he was a huge Beatles fanatic, and yet mm-hmm. he's like, you know, the godfather of of producing Hawaiian music here. And so um, you would, you know, we really didn't expect that, but we got along really well, and we thought, yeah, let's have this guy. Um, uh, get us in the studio and record just one song and have that be kind of the litmus test to see if we want to go f- to the next step in terms of doing an entire album. So we did one song, which was If I Fell, and we uh, really loved what what came out from that. And I think that's one thing that people don't quite get is when we tell them we're an ukulele Beatles tribute band, they think it's going to be some some somewhat lighthearted and maybe a little bit borderline elevator music and you know just like strumming the chords and um but when people see us live i think they really appreciate the work that we put into what we're doing because mm. we really are anal to try to get all the details of the songs um as best we can and of course with the beatles the vocals and the harmonies are so crucial and I'm just the Ringo guy so I don't have to have a good voice thank you Lord uh, but the other three guys when they harmonize and they sing together it's it's magical to me and excuse me may I interrupt yes you may Sonny I don't think you can ever find a better Ringo yeah. uh, I don't think you can find a better Ringo I, I looked around anyway yeah, you know, I, I, I told him already when we were still playing uh, electric guitars and real drums and he is such a good drummer and I feel his drumming. I really feel it. and it's not much that if, if you I play with a lot of bands and you know, sometimes they just play what they play. But I can feel that he's a good player and then transition to Cajon is mm. really amazing what he can do with you know tra- transposing the drums to the cajon i mean almost right to the detail ah, uh, ah. i guess the demands that we have also when note per note vocals instruments including the cajon is you can see he, even his toes are playing tambourines <laughs> playing something thank you sonny you're yes. so nice <laughs> no seriously i've been wanting to say that uh you will not find a better Ringo. Uh, that's why in, in our sets, we play more than just one Ringo song. Mm-hmm. You know, we play two or three, sometimes even four, and it's well worth it. You know, he does it very well. If you have seen our video, Octopus's Garden, I think it's one of the best videos that we ever have. Ooh. Right on. Thank you, Sonny. <laughs> wow. And yeah, he's not, he like, hasn't even been I drinking know, yet. I haven't even given five bucks yet. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, we can change that if you do want to drink. Um, <laughs> has a whole, yeah, we beer has a whole thing of whiskey in there. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. How hard was it transitioning from a drum set to a cajon? I guess that's a question for me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was heaven. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I've been playing drums all my life pretty much uh, since I was a kid and played many, many gigs with many different bands, um, including this band before we d- did the switch over to ukuleles. And um, I don't know if it's just the years of, of you know lugging a drum set around or me just being older, but it does get a little tiring after a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it was um, nice in, in being able to travel light for sure. 
but it actually wasn't that difficult. Um, you know, obviously, just like with the ukulele, there's only so much you can transpose from the real recording to the ukuleles, from a six string to a four string. Um, but they do it really well. And so likewise, you know, I can't do everything, but I um, do my best. But you know, the thing is with any song, it's about the, the feel, uh, the, the tempo, the um, kind of the, the pulse of the, of the song, which is the beat, which is the drums. And so that's really what I try to focus on is getting, you know, that Ringo style of drumming out of the cajon. And um, and I realized, you know, I don't need all this, uh, you know, I do have a crash cymbal and I do use um, subtly uh, a hi-hat uh, on occasion. But in a lot of the early Beatles stuff, there was a lot of, you know, open hi-hat sloshing around and crash cymbals. And, and that was kind of the beginning of when they would actually individually mic the drum, each drum and, oh, and the really? over, you know, have multiple mm -hmm. overhead cymbal mics. And so you hear a lot of that on the early Beatles and stuff. And so I think what's cool about what we're doing when we first transition is you can hear the vocals so nice. I mean, they really stand out and people can really appreciate the, the words, the harmonies, the melodies. And so I realized like, yeah, I don't really have to play um, with all that stuff, you know, to really have the, the pulse of the song be felt. Yeah, and I've seen you guys multiple times now and they get the party rocking. Like it's, it's not... Yeah, exactly what you said. You know, you think about, oh, it's an ukulele tribute band. Guys are just going to sit around and kind of pluck. But with Dennis there pushing the beat and the vocals coming at you, it's an exciting show, you know? So, Alistair, yeah. let me ask you, uh, so what is it about the Beatles? What makes the Beatles, like, you know, there's I know there's like Kiss tribute bands mm. and stuff, but I feel like the Beatles, by and far, are number one as far as... Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's just, first of all, just... The fact that they wrote so much good music, so yeah, so yeah. so much material, and it's so good, and it's so good that you can play it over and over and over, and still find new stuff about it, and still um, not not get bored or you know start resenting it, you know, or something like that. <laughs> um, it's really uh, constantly exciting, and a lot of it's you know it, you listen and it's like cutting edge even now you know i'm just talking about like tomorrow never knows that song is like where did it come from or or um well, um and your bird can, and your bird can sing there's there's never been really a song ever before or after like like those those songs so anyway you know i'm, I'm a little biased but i think it's um that's why and also because the beatles came at this time you know where the world was changing and they just like were they captured the the pulse of what was going on at that time and then for so many people that was the the soundtrack to that time and and it, it encapsulated that for them and so because of that because of the sentimentality uh the you know the imagery that they created uh and and also all of the um uh the, the stories that go you know there's there's so no other band has ever been this uh well covered you know written about uh talked about filmed and you know uh yeah it's it's very interesting this phenomenon you know that will yeah. never be repeated i guess yeah yeah so when you first got together uh, how did you i mean obviously we knew who ringo was going to be because you were the one playing drums but 
in terms of uh, vocally oh how yeah do you find out who sings what part so it's kind of a long story but dennis and i used to play a long time ago in a in an african band called mabanzi we played um in a, it's like a marimba band and um and i was playing guitar he and he was playing um drums and some marimba mm -hmm. in this band and uh wow. and then we played for uh, several years like that and after that uh after the the lady who who organized the band left the island um then he uh i guess uh knew knew Nolette, they uh, and uh yeah if I, can, if I can interject yeah, it was yeah. during the time that we were in that band as i got to know Nolette from church mm. and we found out that we both were like really passionate beetle fans and that he was this amazing bass player and you know so like two of his favorite bass players are Jocko and Paul McCartney, mm. my two favorite bass players. So, you know, we just would talk and talk and talk about, you know, jazz and, and the Beatles. And he, uh, and then like the second or third time we connected um, at this um, uh, church function again, he said, you know what, have you ever thought about joining a Beatles tribute band? And I thought, I've, I've been wanting to do that all my life. And he's like, yeah, we should do that. So I'll be Paul, you be the Ringo. Now we have to find a George and a, and a John. So then that's when <laughs> right. um, I re remembered Alistair from this other band. I'm like, huh, Alistair plays guitar, looks a little bit like yeah. George. George. And then and it changed my life ever since. <laughs> For real. And it, it was funny because he called me and he said, oh, it's going to be real casual. You know, we're just, just going to play some Beatles songs and like the first, our first uh, rehearsal at Vibe Asylum or whatever. And, and then, and then uh, Nolette was like, ah, no, 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 it's, it's got to be George. <laughs> you have to play like George, you know? And uh, it was like, oh, this is not like uh, laid back at all. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and, but that really, that was the first time I've ever tried to really replicate something exactly or close to exactly. I'd always just like listen to music and kind of, you know, played my interpretation of something. And uh -huh. this is like a totally different you know kind of thing so that's how uh yeah that's kind of how it how it started out and then yeah, and then and well then we had um a, a guy from a craigslist ad to, to be uh, to try out for john and he didn't last too long he, um unfortunately um and of course, Nolette's not here, so we can we can talk stink about him. But one thing uh, yeah. one thing about Nolette is he is very very like if if he if he gets agreement that we are going to be a tribute band, then he expects all of us to be able to play and sing our parts like note for note exactly like the album. So he's and kind of the musical director then. Is that would you put him in? Yeah, there? in a sense, yeah. Yes. He he just keeps us yes. on our toes. Like there's no slacking with mm. Nolette. I mean, we all the three of us kind of try <laughs> along the way, but but he'll we catch try, us. Yeah. He'll catch us like pretty much every time yeah. and stop the song and just say why are you playing it like that <laughs> it doesn't yeah, yeah, go yeah. like that oh, did you hear that and, oh, wow. and so he's so really to his credit he's really gotten us to be to this level that we're at where we've just you know we really take Afraid. our parts seriously <laughs> yes so playing scared so you so the, uh now you know because we've been together doing the ukulele thing for you know four or five years now and then we were together as a regular band before that for the same length of time four or five years um you know we're used to that style uh of his and so we just know it um what's expected and and it makes us all better players better musicians so we we owe nolette a lot for that and i think people that that are musicians people that know the beatles music especially 
they're the ones that notice that more than anybody. And so for Nolette, like if there's only one Beatle fan in the audience or only one like musician, that's who he's playing for. Like he, that's who our band is playing for. Um, anybody else, everybody else can be having fun and clapping along. But if that one person in the audience is like, oh, they played that riff just like it is on the album. But he did that, you know, then, then no, that's going to smile and he'll be, that, could, that makes his day. <laughs> you guys could probably tell in the audience which one is a hardcore Beatle fan, right? When you guys are playing with a bunch of The other people, people dressed like Sergeant Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> are, there, are there sitting like this? Uh, yeah, watching, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, they're looking. They're not dancing. They're yeah, yeah, just watching. Or, I've seen that. Yeah, know, they're waiting for you. one of us to make a mistake. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they're still waiting. Well, what's interesting to me, uh, just because the, the Beatles themselves had such an evolution while they were playing and because they became kind of a um, a producer's band almost to a certain degree right in, in the in the later stuff that they did there was a lot of overdubbing there was a lot of backwards masking all that yeah. stuff I mean how do you go about recreating something like that like you were saying you know like across the universe and stuff like that would just there's so much stuff going on you know you you got this early stuff you got I saw her standing there which is sorry I'm a huge Beatles fan which I'm just letting you know now, but <laughs> right. you know, you look at the you look at the early stuff. I saw her standing there. It's just just really simple beat. It's it's the the vocals are clean. The the musicianship is top notch, but it's very much a straightforward rock song. And then you move to the stuff that they're doing later on, the Rubber Soul stuff, the Sgt. Pepper stuff, and you go, how would you play that as a foursome with ukuleles? So uh, I mean, you just sort of put that in a blender with the four of you and go, okay you do this part and this is how this works or kind of yeah we just try to that's the challenge you know to try to recreate it uh rec recreate some of this more complex <laughs> stuff stuff with strings on it yeah. or horns like penny lane uh you know uh the trumpet solo and 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 all this that's where it gets really um interesting and also you know you got to be creative you know sometimes just by because of default of the way that ukulele is tuned like you run out of notes going down, for example, uh -huh. mm. and then also you have to, you know, do half a line in one area and then do the other half on an, in another position. So uh, it it really um, makes you like um, try to be creative and and get as close as possible. But yeah, we um, we we just kind of try our best to try to find those, uh, you know, make those sounds. Sometimes Dennis does sound effects. Uh, with his mouth, sometimes you know, uh, w you know, uh, we we try to do the um, the the beginning of uh, what's, what's I feel fine, but you know the, the oh, feedback, the feedback kind of thing, yeah, but, yeah. or or the the beginning note for um, uh, Hard Day's Night, you know. Of course, we don't have that uh, sustain with the ukulele, so we will supp supply that or supplant that with uh, you know like a tremolo kind of you know revving up the whole the whole beginning instead of a sustained note. So yeah, that's where it gets interesting and uh, yeah. That's and probably everything part has to pass through <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Yeah, okay, that'll work. <laughs> that's probably part of the fun too though, right? It's yeah. Oh, definitely. Kind of figuring it out and making it. Creating yeah. something different yeah. and new, yeah. And that's the thing is, yeah, as we get progressing to the Beatles music in their later years, um, it does get more challenging, more complex, and uh, but we love we love that, those challenges. Um, and uh, I, f I forgot to mention, going back to how we got together, that um, Sonny and Nolette actually knew each other going back to high school? No. Oh. Grade school days grade school. in the Philippines. Oh, wow. In the Philippines. We were in the same wow, school. Really? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Same level, same age. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. And Did you guys all plan to move over to Hawaii together? And well, he came from he came from uh, Saudi Arabia or Kuwait or something. Kuwait, Kuwait. He came from Kuwait. There was chaos. Remember the, the Kuwait problem? Yes, the war. He was here during that time. He couldn't go back. And I came here. You know, oh, I was wow. I was really here. But they they in like for in a period of ten years or more, you meet guys maybe met once, right? We. I knew about him being here, so I went to visit him playing in Waikiki. He was playing in a jazz band, and that's about it. Say hi, hello, and uh, you know, and that that was it. Maybe after ten years, then he comes to me and says, "Sunny, we're trying to create this Beatles uh, group. Uh, would you be interested?" And he said, "Yeah, sure. I would love to." He said, "I'm really happy that I was approached because uh. this is something I would I would really like to do." I'm a big fan of the Beatles, although I'm like only half as big as him because he, he knows the songs where the albums are, I mean where the albums belong, you know. Although I don't, I, I know the songs, but you know, not not on that detail level, you know. So, yeah. and I love the Beatles, I'm so happy that I, you know, I got I got invited. And this is really, when I grew up in the Philippines, this is the kind this is a style that we learn. We play it according to the record. Mm. Whether it's the Beatles, the Dave Clark Five, Searchers, and everything, that's how we learn. I'm old school, so to speak. You know, uh, I mean, the later generations they they modify a lot because they're a lot better musicians. You know, but I'm one of the classics, <laughs> old old school, <laughs> old style, and I can deal with it. So so you know, I guess everything worked out after that. Uh, he invited me and then, you know, he brought along Dennis and then Alistair to my house. And that's where we have been rehearsing from, from uh, then on until so now. So did they ask you to sing as John Lennon first and see how, how uh, much you got pitch-wise? Everybody yeah, wants well, this, to do the fall, right? This, yeah, this <laughs> is when um, that first John guy did not work out after a few weeks. So then um, we were like scratching our head, like, now what do we do? So then Nolet's like, oh, I remember this guy. Um, I think he still lives in Hawaii that I grew up with in, in the Philippines. Um, I know he loves the Beatles. He plays guitar and he sings. So, so somehow he was able to find his number and he called them and that's when they got together yeah. and then the rest is history and it was really just like magical I'm, I'll never forget that first band rehearsal um, it, it just felt so right and for anybody that's been in a band you just know when that chemistry is there and it continues to be there and uh, fortunately there's um, not much drama between us I mean we really are like brothers you know and that's mm -hmm. why uh, I think like a lot of bands that have been around a long time and have can manage that longevity it's because they can they can just get along with each other right and so fortunately we we do and the music binds us even more and uh nolette keeps us you know with our you know walking with our backs straight and uh, when it comes to the music so it's it's a good it's a good match for sure let, let me do a, a beatles question oh yeah well, well, well this, this is a, a hypothetical let's do a hypothetical okay now we did have three of the Beatles extend their careers through the 80s, but do you think if uh, Beatles stay together, okay, they don't break up, they still make it together, do they go all 80s on us, like Gillen Fry and, and, mm. and all those other guys who had to kind of change and do the, the 80s kind of pop rock thing? Mm. Or would they have kept it um, kind of pure all the way through? You know, because mm. a lot of those like, 70s rock era bands 
changed, right? During that 80s glam rock right. era, yeah. tried to be kind of pop cool, or, or do you think they would have stayed more true to, to their to their style? Well, I was going to say, like, the Eagles stayed the same, yeah. but then they did have that break in between when before they came yeah, back and together. Then, and then it's Don just that nobody Henley was listening. Well, nobody was watching them in concert or buying yeah, the albums, yeah. but people were watching them in concert and stuff. Like, they were... Because huh? it, it was, like... I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Because they didn't change, but the, they just sort of went under the radar. <laughs> and played on, <laughs> played on, uh, on like rock radio, and then all of a sudden popped up again. Yeah. If I have to make a, a guess on what they, they would be doing, I, I, I think if they were still together and playing together, they would probably create a whole new genre of music because... The Beatles, if you notice, every time they c came up with a new album, it's changed. different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You will sure. never hear the strum of uh, Close Your Eyes in any other song. You will never hear, it's a different style. So I would think they would create a, just a whole just new different genre. Completely different, different style, yeah. different everything. They're so creative. That's so why they would have are. been like Daft Punk or some kind. Of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why they are outstanding. Disco. They made the yeah. yeah. disco era. And that's, and that's the beauty of of that partnership between John and Paul is that they you know they would always admit that they were in competi friendly competition with each other right they pushed each other they were always trying to outdo the other with their songwriting with their uh, with their um, with their songs and of course when they split up and they all went their own way like especially. Paul, you know, even though he formed his own band, uh, Wings, um, you know, there was, you know, nobody, nobody to really push Paul, right? I mean, there was no John there, um, so who knows what could have been mm. musically um, had they still continued to be together. It's a good question, yeah. I mean, because it makes you think creatively. Because well, I, I, like, I think about it with, because uh, I'm a huge Bob Marley fan, and you know, listen to Bob Marley, you know, he died at 31, right? So he only had a certain amount of time to make music and so everything is pretty you know you listen to any Bob Marley song they all pretty consistent and so if you like Bob Marley you're gonna like pretty much his whole catalog right mm -hmm. but then I'm like man I wonder if he would have gotten to like synth dub reggae stuff yeah. later on you know and it's a bit of like oh god you know <laughs> right. what, what happened because and so similarly with the Beatles you know like w would they have caved into the the commercial pressure mm -hmm. you know I don't see them doing that <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of because yeah. by then they probably they had money and you know all that they stuff. Well, my only my only thing was I I <coughs> I wish that they had figured out a way to work within the confines of the Beatles because you have so many bands now that do that thing where guy goes and does his individual stuff and then comes back and whatever he's coming back with, you know, makes the group stronger. But the Beatles for some reason never actually did that. I mean, they basically went screw you, screw you, and then they broke <laughs> apart and like you know they did whatever they wanted to do and. I think in the later years they even admitted, oh yeah, well, we probably could have put it back together, but we just they just didn't know how after a while, right? Mm. And but I think it would have been interesting to see if they'd done a model of like like the Eagles, where you know Don Henley runs off and does a solo album, and then he comes back, and then they play something together, and then you know Glenn Fry runs off and does something and comes back. Whereas the four of them are so strong as musicians that each of them could have run off, done their solo stuff, and then said, okay. Well, let's let's come back together and see what we can put together, you know. And and it would have been an interesting thing to see um, John and Paul sit in a room and go, "Well, I got this album. What do you got? Oh, I got this album. Okay, well, <laughs> let's, you know, let's see." Or I wonder if it would be like Led Zeppelin, where 
they just took their four famous albums and just played that over and over for the rest of the, the years right, right. the rest of their career you know yeah. every concert they never evolved they just sound the same you know in a way that's what people want right yeah because like yeah. when we went to the Def Leppard concert I was happy because they played the entire hysteria I don't need to hear their new stuff you know but you know that was the thing I, I don't know that they would have been happy only because they pushed the music so far every time like you were saying right they pushed the music so far every time they would get together it was sort of an iron sharpening sharpening iron thing mm. and then you know in the 60s when they would do the concerts and then nobody could hear them they did Shea Stadium that one time it was a huge it was a huge thing 500 people in the front heard, but there were like 30,000 people there and they went, nah, we don't want to do live anymore. And after a while, they just didn't do it. And they realized that there was this other, whole, there's a whole other avenue. So they, that they, they could stopped doing concerts? All yeah, they wow. just stopped because they said, it doesn't, it, because the way that the, the systems, I'm sorry, I'm speaking on behalf of you guys, but no, uh, no, no, the, the, the problem was that they would be playing, but they'd be playing like 50 people who could hear them because everybody was screaming. So John, I mean, they're, they're pushing their amps as far as they can. They're singing as loud as they can, but nobody can hear them because the screaming is so loud. And they went, well, this is stupid. This isn't why we're doing music. Right. So they said... And it's hard to believe they, had, they hadn't invented monitors yet, right? So <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. And it's they amazing. Had, you yeah. watch their live concerts they and they're still like singing yeah. like in sync together, yeah. right? And it's like... Yeah. Just, and, they, it's be, and they couldn't even hear them. I mean, that's how good exactly, they were. Exactly, yeah. And, and so they're sync. turning to each other, like looking, going, what are we doing? And wow. Ringo's trying to keep time and the drums are shuffling all over the place. And so yeah. I, I don't blame them for not wanting to play live anymore. But that was the 60s, you know? And so you go, oh, wow. If just they had... You know, if they lived in this time and did this music, I, I wonder if that would have kept things going just because they now have the ability to just stay in the studio yeah. and just do studio work and just create that way. You know, and people would have been fine with it. They yeah, that's, a, that's the thing. A lot of the music that we play, I, you know, a lot of it's never, they, the Beatles never played live. Um, and so, uh, you know, trying to recreate stuff that was done in the studio, I mean, like we said already, that's, that's, a, that's a big challenge. But it's also, um, you know, it's 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 nice for people to have that live experience uh, of these songs that have only been recorded so right. far. But it's really interesting. Well, I think what's interesting about the Beatles is I get, I wonder what it was the dynamic, you know, about that question. Like, what would they have evolved to? But what was the dynamic between them it, that caused the the music to become what it was? Because mm -hmm. you can see, like, there's a bunch of stuff on YouTube now where you can see like somebody bringing in a demo. And then how it got changed and evolved with when it came into the band and how it sounded right. But the, the, their personalities, I think that's part of it. They, they, that chemistry between their personalities was so strong and so effective that they, they were able to um, bring out this music and keep it going and keep, keep pushing. And there were such powerhouses of, of uh, you know, talent, just, you know, yeah. musically and lyrically. So, yeah. It would be very interesting to play that game and see where would it lead, you know, and yeah. what, what could it lead to? Can you play that, you know, imagination game? You know, <laughs> what, what, what would it sound like, their music now? It's yeah. cool. Well, aside from your guys playing Beatles music, you know, performing, do you guys stretch out and try to do other things too besides the Beatles? Or you guys, when you guys get together, you guys... No time. <laughs> well, when, when, when uh, Nolette and Sonny start, sing, you know, singing like Simon and Garfunkel songs or anything, oh, they, wow. they know such a big yeah. uh, yeah. breadth of material and they could just bust it out and just start you know singing these songs and harmonize so we, we never practice that or or you know look to perform that but it um, 
but it always sounds good when when we do jam <laughs> here yeah. and there. I mean, and cool. time we've talked about adding uh, songs from their solo mm-hmm. years, like wing songs and you know solo George Harrison stuff, and um, you know, but there's still so much great. Beatles material um, for us to still get through. Yeah. I mean, we, we only 50, know maybe half of, maybe a little more than half of their yeah. songs. Wow. We actually know pretty well, mm-hmm. which is like you know, 110 still songs. Lot, right? Wow. It's a lot, but we, there's still so many others that we would love to get to. Um, but there's so many other great songs that each of them did in, um, in their solo years too. So we have no shortage of material. I wonder how long that concert would be if you played all of them. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the songs are really short. How long would it be the, the, the nap afterwards? <laughs> yeah. Now, you guys, you guys transitioned to the ukulele like five years ago as a band. Um, do you guys miss it? Do you miss the drum set, the bass, the guitar? You guys unplug well, once in a while? Drummers never miss carrying around a drum no? set. You know, it's really a lot more convenient gigging with just this. That's not our motivation, but, you know. Yeah, an yeah. electric guitar, an yeah. acoustic guitar, and a two pianos. Guess what? I have two amps. Sunny, can you grab your phone? Yes. yes. I put on that chair. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, really, it's really a lot easier to gig with just that. Because... The, most of the time, we just plug in direct to the PA, mm. even Blue Note. So we uh-huh. don't have to bring any amps. Or it's so we travel outer island or mainland. Especially for seniors. Speak for yourself. So you don't use pedals or anything? Oh, we do. I have pedals, yeah. so we have pedals oh, okay, but okay. it still goes you know, DI yeah, straight yeah, yeah, yeah. to the PA. Yeah, okay. It is so much more convenient. I, I would have just thought like if you guys would want to you miss tinkering around with a drum set or a bass or a guitar, you know? Every once in a while, you know, it's still different, of course. You know, yeah. like for me, it's not too bad. You know, playing from guitar to ukulele. I play a baritone. I just miss the last yeah. two strings. For Alistar, it's not only missing the two strings. He needs to transpose every song. Yeah. That is the most difficult task in our group. Yeah, <laughs> him and then singing. It, it's I, I, I can't yeah, even, it, I, I cannot back, handle what he's doing. Jumping back and forth between guitar and ukulele, yeah. I can't I can't like let my hands go on automatic. So I gotta yeah. always like think, and then I gotta be away from the guitar for a little while when I go and start playing ukulele. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, I, I cannot do what he's doing. You know? It's stressful. That's so difficult. So I would imagine pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic. I mean, there must be like Beatle festivals and you know, events and stuff that you guys would be asked to do. It must have been pretty busy, right? We were, yeah. In fact, we could be, uh, could have been a lot busier, but this uh, guy likes to travel a lot, <laughs> and which is, he's re- almost retired, getting there. Um, and Alistair uh, tours with another group or um, a few <laughs> months out of the year. So, um, so really there's only about six months pre-pandemic out of the year that we could actually play so unfortunately we would we would have to turn down a lot of gigs um here in in abroad but um when we can't play we do and one thing that we uh are we're just getting into uh doing before the pandemic is playing small theaters in the outer islands and Hmm. people really uh really really appreciated us coming over and playing and um 
So we had to cancel some gigs for this past summer for that. But now we're starting to book again for the fall. Um, we just got booked for the Kahilu Theater in uh, oh, yeah. early oh, nice. December. We're, we're planning on going up there, too. Yeah, so, so we'll be it's, there. It's um, super fun, you know. December. Huh? It's super nice up there. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking forward to that. And then um, Maui, Kauai, will be back over there again Wait, as well. On. Oh, there. That's, that's your phone. What? It's your phone is buzzing, bro. Yeah. Something's buzzing, like, oh. nonstop. Kyle. Kyle's going deaf. He can't hear his phone. <laughs> nice. So okay. yeah. So, so yeah. So, so it's starting uh, starting to pick up again. Awesome. All right, Devin, come on. I know you have more Beatle trivia. Well, it's not a Beatle trivia because I mean they they play the Beatles on stage, so it's not it's not that. Uh, um, but with regards to singing the parts, um, do you sit there and I mean? Does he just sit there and go, okay, that part is correct for this? And like, do you, when you put together a song, like you were doing Norwegian Wood earlier. Mm. So when you're doing Norwegian Wood, did you sit there and go, okay, so you got this part and you got this part and how does that work? Well, the reason for that is because Nolette is not here. He's right. a good part of that song yeah. and he's going to try and fill in. <laughs> oh, but, but when we, when Norwegian we come up, Wood anyway. I think, yeah. I think uh, for the most part, uh, Nolet and Sonny kind of generally have they've been listening to this music obviously their whole life and they've got the general um, the idea of the parts but then it's like a, a matter of refining and some of the some of the three or four part harmony uh, you know where Dennis will fill in for something that was recorded you know another another part or yeah um, I, I, I might be doing backup um, of actually McCartney vocal oh, right okay. um, uh, because no, let's sing in another McCartney vocal, right? That, that's the beauty <laughs> right. of being in the studio. Uh, yeah, the doubling so, thing. Yeah. That's so, why I was so live. I'll, I'll, so um, certainly, if it's um, you know a George uh, guitar part or vocal part, you know we do all we can to to hold fast to those. But there's other things that we need to do or want to do to make it sound more like the exact rec recording um, because we can. You know, even though Ringo didn't sing on that song, you know there was an additional vocal part that I can fill in. As an example, and yeah. also it's it's fascinating because I think over time, uh, Ringo and uh, George, I think were started to get more recognition for the musicians that they were, which I thought was really cool, because you know when when the band first started, when well, it's just Ringo, he's taking over for somebody. But I think over time, his appreciation of his drum skills um, has grown uh, to a point where people are like, wow. Ringo's a really good drummer, yeah. and you're like, yeah. If you if you ever tried to play Beatles music as the drum, doing the drums, it's hard. Some of the stuff is tough because right. to keep that to keep that steady time, yeah, the whole song is really difficult. I know because I play drums and I suck. And we, I was in a band where we, all we did was pretty much play Beatles music, and I was terrible because I would speed up too much, I would slow down too much. Would, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's hard to keep yeah, that time. And, and, and Ringo was just a great like a example of man. just being in the pocket. Yeah. And, and again, they, those guys had played for um, years together before they got popular, um, and so they got really tight. And again, there was obviously some great chemistry there within the four of them, but um, because they they all drew from such varied musical styles um that's what make to me what makes Ringo such a great drummer is he um I mean as a drummer I don't think the drumming is as um generally speaking not that difficult but it's the fact that he came up with these drum parts mm -hmm. for these songs mm -hmm. right I'm thinking because of course when you grow up hearing these songs you think 
okay, yeah, that seems natural. I would probably would have done the same thing. But then as you get a little older and mature, you think, God, if I, if I heard that song for the first time, I really don't think I'd know what to play. Right. Or I certainly wouldn't have played what Ringo played. Like I said, right. he, he invented that. And, yeah. you know, he was adding in um, Latin-flavored beats to songs that were not even Latin-flavored, you know, right. um, like um, No Reply. You know, like that's like a totally Latin... Uh, uh, drum beat that he's playing but it's not a latin song at all right <laughs> and so there's many examples of that where you just realize like wow this uh, and, and not to mention his you know that's before metronomes and you know playing perfectly yeah. in time i mean ringo yeah. just was a very solid drummer and he wasn't perfect but you know alistair and i were talking about this the other day is that gosh what would these great great albums from the 60s and 70s be like if they were actually recorded to a metronome, right? Like, mm. it just, it definitely affects the playing. I was talking, I get Stuart Copeland's a big fan of mine yeah. from The Police, and when they were doing the Synchronicity album, that was what, their fifth or sixth album, that was the first time he had to play to a metronome, and he hated it. And really? you think, like, what if what if he was forced to play to a metronome on Driven to Tears or, right, yeah, you know, yeah. Message in a Bottle? Like, what would those songs have ended up like in the yeah. studio, right? So it's very interesting how that, you know, it's... It's just commonplace. Now you can't not record something and not be in time. But huh. we actually recorded the songs um, um, kind of in that live setting um, without a metronome, per se. So, oh, you did? Yes. Can so yeah. So oh, if Ringo slows up or speeds up a little bit, we, we mimic that. You know? so that's, that's how <laughs> anal we are. <laughs> it's supposed to be like that. That was in the record. Yeah. That's what we were doing. Can people find their music on, your music on iTunes and stuff? How do they go about finding your guys' music? Yes. Well, they can find us on, yes, <laughs> iTunes. <Yeah. laughs> like, anybody else going to take that? Uh, <laughs> iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, um, on our website, CD Baby. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm sorry. And then for George, with regards to his ability to play guitar, I mm. think, um, again, people would laud his, his soloing ability, but he was never Eddie Van Halen yeah. on guitar, right? Yeah, I think so it's deceptive. It's so interesting because yeah, I, as growing up, I never, in, in, in never stood out as like a, you know, uh, any kind of a, a guitarist that would be, you know was a, 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 yeah, like in that in that uh, genre or anything like that. Um, anyway, he he did the right thing at the right time. I think that's what everybody, all of the Beatles did. They did the right thing for the for the song and it was it was so classy like uh, we're just talking about like the song I will it's like less than two minutes long and you know anybody who who came up with something that beautiful and that magical they might have a uh, the urge to keep it going you know and make it and put another verse in there but it's like no that's exactly what that song called for and they didn't exploit it any further uh, so each one of the songs it, it almost seems like it was you know gifted to them from heaven and that's it was complete and that's how it needs to be and and of course probably because you know we've heard them over and over and over and thinks that's that's how they should be and set in stone but but it they did the right thing uh the the for every song you know and george harrison's guitar parts if you if you study them it to me it's like each song is a little uh uh what do you call that like a um an exercise in learning some kind of technique, mm. you know, and it, it, it's just really, really interesting. Like, like the thing he does on uh, uh, on help, like, I don't know if that was his idea or George Martin's idea or what, but it's so 
unusual and, and cool. And uh, yeah, a lot of his stuff, is, it's underspoken, but it's difficult to recreate. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. people have mentioned that quite a bit. They're just like, wait a second, how do I do that? <laughs> how do you do <laughs> it? Do it? Yeah. Any other song, Beatles. Yeah. 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 And it's unique. Sonny, for you singing John Lennon's vocals, uh, was it difficult at all? Because I, I like to think that when you hear the Beatles, they're just sort of singing in this American accent, but they're really not. Yeah, they're like you can actually hear sort of this English undertone in what they're you know, singing. I never imagined in my life I would really do a John Lennon part. Right. Guitar, guitar or uh, singing. I never imagined it when I was approached by Nolette, you know, everybody loves the Paul part, right? Oh, yeah, I'm going to do Paul, uh, but oh, he's Paul. Oh, so, uh, so I have to be John, okay? So I just fit the part. That That's all I did. I just fit the part. And it, I'm happy that it worked out well because he fits the part really well. And like I said, you won't find a better Ringo here. And Paul is just the director in the music and he you know he he you know he does everything right you know so it, the four of us are really unique uh, to be together uh, I just tried hard and that's that's the only time I realized how difficult the John Lennon parts are mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know in the beginning when we were playing gigs uh, Minatos and everything there are set lists that I had to sing seven songs in a row. And I never complained about it. Because I like the, ch <laughs> I like the challenge. I like the challenge, you know. I, I, I never said anything, right? So, but, you know. You never say anything anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, because I like the challenge and I, if I think I can do it, the only hard part is if you're singing high, then you go, if I fell, <laughs> that's the hard part. Yeah. All of a sudden going down. It's easy to go high, but going down. But, you know, it's the John Lennon part is, is really difficult. How, how, and he's he's how being humble he because he's such a great John singer because if you notice, John purposely tried to, he, he, he didn't like his voice, so he was mm -hmm. always trying to change his voice in the studio. So, Sonny's cut... Um, a tough job of, of being that chameleon where he's all, you know has to has to change chameleon. how he's singing each song a little slightly right mm -hmm. little variations yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, the John part is really difficult but thank God I, it worked out you know <laughs> okay last question before the last question <laughs> what kind of ukuleles are you playing just so we can give a plug to your yeah absolutely I'm playing uh, Kanilea ukulele uh, a, that's an eight string right it's an eight yeah. string yeah. From a long, long time ago, I used to work at Kanilea, and uh, I I built it while oh, I was wow. Oh, wow. working wow. there. Oh wow! Yeah. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, so personalized. Yeah. That was when they were. That was when like like nobody really knew who Kanilea was. Right. And they yeah. couldn't even afford to give him an employee discount, <laughs> so he had to make his own. <laughs> Actually, this is how I got paid. No, <laughs> I know. <right? laughs> I built my own. No, but shout out to Joe and Kristen from Kanilea. Did a lot of workers over there? try experiment and build their own instruments um, and stuff? That was kind of, the, when I first started there, um, I was, it was just me and Joe and his nephew and his wife and, uh, and uh, maybe uh, one, one other guy. And um, it was like, I, I kind of, well, the, the whole reason I got in, involved was there was I took this class to build ukuleles uh, called Hanalima Ia. And then 
I got referred to, to working there and they needed somebody. So I had already started building this uh -huh. beforehand. And then basically I, I just learned, uh, you know, the process as I, you know, it was a great chance for me to learn the process uh, on, on my own ukulele. It's like, you know, giving yourself a tattoo or something, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Sunny, what, what do you, what you got this there? This is a, uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, I just bought this online. It's a very reasonably priced ukulele. It's, the brand name here is Caramel. Like you said, it looks like a, an, ov yeah. an ovation kind of yeah, thing. It does yeah. look like an ovation. Uh, it's it's an ov something else. And uh, I actually have maybe five or six hooks at home. In, in the process of trying to find a really, really nice one, because I, I also need the, the cutaway, because um. when you play the high part, it's just impossible on this one. Oh. And uh, this is a no brand, I guess nobody knows what a caramel is. And I have another one I, I uh, bought on Amazon. Oh. Uh, it was not delivered here, so it was, I had to deliver it to my sister's uh, house in Redondo Beach, and she brought it here. And it's, it's a cutaway. And it's one of the nicest ones I, I really have. I have a Kala, uh -huh. and I have another one that. What, what's that brand I, I bought it? I thought that was the Kala. Uh, I I can't remember. No, the one I at uh, at uh, Manoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that I was. I forgot the name. Um, Nolet Nolet plays an Uk bass from Kala. Yeah, right. Mm, He's got a I have a Kala. Yeah. The, my first one was a Kala. Those Uk bases are pretty good. Hmm? Those Uk bases are they? Yeah. They kind of they're good. Yeah. yeah. And they're small and light. Yeah. <laughs> 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 carry around, which is which is how they're going, which is how they're rolling. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you do you all uh, do you guys play the same ukulele for the whole gig, or do you switch them out at all? We try not to switch. Okay. Unless we break a string. Uh, unless you yeah. break a string. <laughs> but what? I have no backup. <laughs> so <laughs> I try not to break. If I break a string, I still have seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, for. Every episode, we do ask this question of everybody, and so we got to change it up a little do bit. We it, it extract Beatles song. Yeah, I yeah. know. Is it going to be Beatles? No, okay, so, well, we so Beatles if you albums. were stranded on a desert island, <laughs> you could take only three albums with you, musical albums, to listen to for the remainder of time. What three albums would they be, without any Beatles uh, albums? Okay. Because uh, you know, obviously, you're going to say Beatles, but if you could not take Beatles albums either, mm, so. Mm, mm. There's so much artists and music that I really like. It's hard to choose. You gotta narrow it down to uh, three. I like Tears for Fears. Oh, oh okay. nice. I, 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 definitely a Bob Marley album. Some something from Bob Marley. Uh, maybe Survival. Zeppelin Four. Zeppelin Four. <laughs> you each get three. Do, 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 do. You can you can do two more. Each. Huh. So you go around again, Sonny. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chicago. I love Chicago music. Nothing like horns it's on a It's different when you're yeah. playing <laughs> yeah, yeah. Play with the horn brass band. It's so, yeah. it's a different feeling. You know? So the early ones or one the The early ones. ones okay. The early ones, yeah. 25 or 624, make me smile. Mm. Ah, those, that's good. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe uh, uh, Pink Floyd. Maybe Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about a, being on a, you know, a deserted island. I don't know, it, but you know, I try, try to think of something uplifting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, there, it's so tough. But another favorite favorite of mine is Peter Gabriel's "So." Oh, yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like and you know, and another thing, I, it, like as a drummer shifting to, um, Cajon, is that uh, if 
if you know Peter Gabriel, like he he hates guitar solos. So like very few, if any, of his songs ever have guitar solos, and he really doesn't like um, cymbals, even though there's some cymbals on that. But um, like crashes and stuff, like you know, he really doesn't like. So that's where it's like so much more of the music is is heard because you don't have all this other you know stuff, stuff going on. Yeah. So next album, Sunny for you. Third one for me, Simon and Garfunkel. Love the music. Bob Marley, Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, I was, you took mine. No, <laughs> no, uh, maybe maybe a Led Zeppelin. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you you guys would all get along really well. Okay, Dana. Oh, and then uh, for me, um, I would say Zenyatta Mandata by the Police. Mm. Oh, nice. Okay. Police is good. Cool. Good choices. Really yes, good choices. Yes, very good choices. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break now, and for the Patreons, we're going to come back and hear a song from Beat Lele. So or maybe two. Or maybe two. Because the Beatles play short songs. Yeah, that's true. There you go. <laughs> so tune in there, but for everybody who's uh, listening, thank you very much. We'll see you next week, and have a good rest of the week. Woo! Woo!